Welcome to Church Unboxed, where we tackle the topics that most Christians are sometimes too scared to talk about. Each week, together with guests, I'll be uncovering issues that have been swept under the rug and listening to people who not only have inspiring stories, but in many cases are the voice of the voiceless. I'm your host, Sarah Tabo, worship leader, singer and songwriter. Welcome this week's guest, Reverend David Peterson. The Right Reverend David Peterson was in 2017 ordained as the youngest black priest in the Church of England. This led him to become a radio host, TV presenter, author, music artist and team vicar in the Grays Thurrock team ministry. He's currently enjoying his post as team vicar as he aims to allow God to continue working through him in the Church of England. He's married with three kids. Welcome Reverend David. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Thanks for being on the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to our discussion today as we're going to be digging into the topic of young people and why we tend to see an exodus of young people from the church. What is it that the church is not getting right or is doing wrong that's causing us to see sometimes the ebbs and flows and essentially the the exit, if you like, of young people from the church. But before we, you know, start talking about this very hot topic, which I think most people are going to be interested in, in getting into, I've got an icebreaker for you and and this is i don't think it's going to be a difficult one i hope it's not a difficult one what is your favorite ice cream flavor oh my (laughs) favorite ice cream flavor boy you know i prefer i really like like lemon lemon i say lemon yeah i guess like ice cream in the sense of traditional you only really have chocolate strawberry i know you've got so many others i I prefer (laughs) vanilla vanilla oh my god really (laughs) Yeah, the traditional ones, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I love a lemon sorbet anyway. It's it's quite nice. It's not too junky. I think it's yeah. a more healthy choice. So that's a good that's a good choice. So I mean, youngest black priest in the Church of England, what made you actually decide to become a man of the cloth? Oh, well, for me, it all started off with um uh, prophecies that I would receive in uh, Pentecostal churches and then um when my family left that specific church, uh, we, we went back to the Anglican church, which was where I was raised and grew up, essentially. And uh, we went for a youth um, a youth trip to another Anglican church where they were um, flowing in prophecy. and But they weren't like prophesying, you know, like uh, how we have it in more uh, African cultural-based churches, you know, where uh, they would point you out and say, thus saith the Lord, it was more a case of, you know, I'm just having this picture, this picture about you. And, you know, um, a lot of them were saying that they saw call into ministry. So I prayed, I said, God, I want you mm. to show me in a dream tonight what you want me mm. to do. I was reading about Joseph, how he had a dream about a Mary situation. I asked God to show me in a dream. I had a dream that I was a vicar and I was so happy. And uh, that's how that's how the journey kind of started. Wow. And how old were you at this time? I was 16 at the time. Wow. <laughs> Do you think that you exhibited any kind of leadership qualities or any kind of skills of being a pastor or was it so random? It wasn't anything you did or exhibited. It was just, you know, just they just pulled you out and, you know, kind of singled you out without you having done anything. Or did you actually kind of lead prayer meetings, lead Bible studies and go, oh, yeah, this guy's going to make a good priest or it just came out of the blues? Yeah, a lot of people that would say it were mainly uh, visiting pastors. 
Mm. So that's what made it interesting. And when we went on the youth trip to a different church that none of us had been to before, and the leaders there said it through the gift of prophecy, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what really struck me because I guess when you are hearing stuff from strangers, sometimes mm-hmm. it gets harder than people that know you or continuously around you. It might just be coming from them rather than from God. But I did display um, certain um, ebbs of leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just very, I was really extremely passionate about eternal life and really mm-hmm. passionate about about God even from the age of 14. So. Mm. So you got these prophecies when you were a teenager and you got ordained how many years after that? Um, I, f- I first got ordained when I was 25 as deacon. Wow. So that was about, what, nine years, nine years later. And then I was ordained as a priest, 30. So that was 14 years, 14 years later. So, yeah, so that was, that was a long it definitely seems like a lot 14 years is a long time and i think god would have prepared you and you know kind of seasoned you through that period so at 30 you were the youngest black priest were you the youngest priest overall or just the youngest black so there might have been some other priests the youngest black one right so what would have been the average age of a priest then if 30 is young which age is about 45 50 wow And that kind of segues nicely into the topic that we're going to be discussing today around young people in the church and where we tend to see an exodus of young people in the church. Um, Given that, you know, the age of leadership um, influence and pretty much, yeah, if you like, eldership in churches tend to be within the 40s and above. Obviously, unless you're a youth leader, you're typically within that age range. And from your observation, being in the Church of England and being in a Pentecostal church, I would imagine as well, do you think that plays a factor in the church not being able to connect and relate with young people because the leaders are and the decision makers are on the other spectrum, if you like, of the age scale? Um, do you know, I think I used to. I used to, but um, not really so much now. I've, I've noticed that if somebody's in that um, kind of older remit and in that age, they're a lot older, but if they are just being completely authentic and they are mm. so um, wedged in God's heart and really uh, displaying uh, uh, acts of the apostles and just really allowing the Holy Spirit to use them in such a powerful way, it just draws whoever, you know, mm-hmm. draws young people. I'll never forget going to uh, Brixton. There was a lady there called Pastor Mimi and um, she had so many young people there. So I remember sitting there and they said, like, the pastor's getting ready to come out. I was expecting, you know, some young guy or some young girl to come out. That was so relatable with all the youth in Brixton. Mm-hmm. It was like the whole of Brixton was there. Mm-hmm. All the young people. There was no old people there. and uh, Or older people there, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and they... they uh, when she came out, she was a lady in her 50s. Oh, wow. So I was in the twilight zone. Yeah, you know? <laughs> she was just like a real auntie. Uh, but when she opened her mouth, you felt like the power. You know, you really wow. felt the power of God. So it was so bizarre as well. But I think from that moment, kind of uh, taught me something in regards to trying to attract young people. Mm. 
So do you reckon it was not just, obviously she was elderly, given she would have been older than most of the young people. Do you think it was more so her communication style or the fact that she welcomed everyone? Because obviously young people have... the different lingua if you like to the older people so from your observation and this is kind of like a segue but from your observation could it have been the way she interacted with the young people what was your takeaway from that encounter i think my takeaway especially when i started asking questions after mm. um, a lot of people said that it was because of the power of god a lot mm. of people feel god's power they feel god's presence and um uh, she used to uh, flowing deliverance as well so people mm. get delivered but people were, were saying because it was strange sitting there even the way she was preaching uh, wasn't something initially that would connect to the young people she wasn't mm. up there saying yo 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 yeah a traditional you know African auntie oh she was even an African auntie yeah right. so, so much passion for the Lord and you could feel God's power Wow. So, I mean, you started off as a priest, as a young priest. Um, I would imagine looking around you and seeing all the elderly elders, priests, deacons, you know, give them all the titles. Did you actually feel maybe intimidated knowing that um, you had all these people around you? Did you feel like you couldn't voice your opinions? And I would imagine you might have wanted to put forward some youthful ideas. Did you feel like you'd be shut down if you came up with, you know, concepts and initiatives to kind of, if you like, rejuvenate, you know, the church and the assembly? How did you feel? I mean, just being the youngest, if you like, in the room. Yeah, now there was times that I was shut down, you know, or oh times dear. that I was um, ignored or put ideas forward that was uh, kind of like uh, belittled, you know, mm. or patronized. And, you know, in those moments, you know, I just kind of thought, so maybe it's safe for me, I need to leave. But uh, conversations with the Holy Spirit would always encourage me. And God would always say, this is where I want you to be. This is where I've sent you. Mm. Do, it, do it for me, you know, and you're not doing it for them, you're doing it for me. So I feel like those conversations with the Holy Spirit that really got me through those difficult times where people would, use my youth uh, against me you know like they would weaponize me being young and be like oh like I remember someone and look I'm not a confrontational kind of person you know I just like my peace you know have a glass of milk and go to bed you know but I remember (laughs) when uh, when I first joined uh, the parish my first post in full-time ministry and there was a man that kept saying over and over he kept saying this he kept saying uh, well, you know, you don't know anything about that, David, because you're young with a snapper. You don't know anything about that, David. He would purposely mention TV shows from like the 1920s and say, oh, you don't know anything about that. <laughs> and then, and then uh, well, I remember one time I said to him, you know, I might be young, uh, I might be young uh, physically, but I'm older than you in the spirit. And oh my goodness. You know, no shade. Like, that was the, that was the, that was one of the last times that he said that. You know, he said That's it a good. few other times, but that kind of really took the sting and the power of what. You know, mm, so. mm. That's that's really interesting that you'd say that. I mean, you stood your own, which is good. But if you extrapolate that experience that you had, you know, within the room of, you know, the elders and the board members of trustees and the priests and extrapolate that into the church, you're one of several. Right. And if you took all the young people 
in a church, they probably would be experiencing similar things in the sense of not feeling heard, not feeling valued, not feeling, you know, respected. And could that be part of, if we want to go into the meat of the discussion today, could that be part of the reason why we see young people leave? So you experienced that in a room. You had that firsthand experience of being put down because you were younger. Now, if you took that to a church of 100, 500, 5,000 people, do we see that? I mean, I go to a church and I can speak for my church, but I can imagine every church and every culture and community would have different experiences. But across the board, we have seen a trend um, and we've seen it in seasons. I think right now there's a season of a return, but we've seen seasons of an exit. And just trying to put a finger on the pulse to identify what could, you know, be one of the factors. Could one of those factors be the fact that young people don't feel valued or heard? in the midst, you know, of the of the um, congregation? Yeah, I think it could be, you mm. know, in regards to um, them being heard or them having a voice. Mm. You know, I guess essentially, you know, everybody uh, or majority of people always have, uh, especially when it comes to leadership, you know, people often think that when you are a leader, if you want to be a leader, it means that you have to initiate change, which, which isn't always the the case sometimes you know there are things that god is doing in the midst of what is already happening mm. i think with young people i think one thing i've realized uh with young people i just think that young people uh really just seeking after authenticity and i mm. think that young people are really wanting to encounter god as well yes um, yes i, think that they I really agree. want to encounter god you know because um you know, there, there have been different things that I've done or different things that I've, I had to attract young people or I thought that being young would attract them or trying to speak their lingua and their mm. language, you know, that stereotypical uh, 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 grown man that tries to put his hat on backwards, you know, to try and <laughs> young people. But, you know, I think really they're just looking for somebody who's real, someone who's authentic, somebody mm. who's like just willing to... Uh, put themselves really out there for them, you know, someone mm. who is is displaying to them how to connect with God. But I think also as well, we have to not just look at like, you know, why they leave, when they leave. But I think to really find out why they leave is to also look at why they come, you know. Mm, and that's like, a good in, one. When you even, yeah, when you look at the UK, you know, and I was looking at churches that have really impacted the youth. Now, you look at churches like SPAC Nation, you know, at one point, you know, the BBC, everyone was speaking about them because they were getting a lot of young people out of gangs. You know, I know Christians had an issue uh, because they might not have agreed with the message as it was uh, more focused on kind of like the glitz and glamour of of, of um, cars and expensive jewellery and, you know, fancy mm -hmm. clothes. And, and some of the young people were coming there because they lacked resources, you know, because they lacked opportunities in regards to making money in the business. And I think it's the same sometimes even uh, with some of the, the adults. Sometimes people are drawn in not because God is there, but because mm -hmm. of um, materialism. You know, mm. and I think when it comes to church, I think that we have to really be careful as to how we define uh, success. Mm. You know? 
because you then ask yourself, okay, do I kind of change the message to suit the people mm. you know, or do I stay firm with the message and let God be God mm-hmm. and let God do what he does? Like what you were saying before about how in your church you've seen different periods, different seasons, you know, where people will come, there's an influx, then there's an exodus. You know, sometimes I thought to myself, is this just, is that how the church is supposed to be anyway, in the sense of making disciples and then sending them out? You know, is it mm. like a, a natural kind of mechanism as to how God has designed the church? You know, but at the same time, I guess it's about finding the balance as to how to effectively reach young people in mm. a way that isn't isn't corny, you know, or isn't you overly trying to the point where you look silly you know mm-hmm. but it's something that is real something that is authentic and i think if someone has a heart for young people then the young people can tell and they will connect with that Mm-mm. it's interesting you'd mentioned spac nation because they have been quite a controversial church in the uk um both within the christian and the secular uh, communities and they have a very interesting strategy for reaching out to young people, which you've also alluded to, which is the bait of prosperity, the bait of um, helping you set up businesses and providing resources for you. And I did actually look into them uh, a while back and I found that that pretty much is the main crux of the message, not so much to Christ. Um Obviously, they might be talking about Christ after they've helped you with setting up a business, but that seems to be the focus. Wealth, success, and, you know, as you said, how do we actually define success? Discipleship seemed to be lacking, from my, in my opinion. And then you have other churches that have other strategies to pull young people in the bait that they use. So for SPAC Nation and churches like SPAC Nation, it could be the promise of wealth and, you know, success. For others, it could be hip music and a very artistic stage that makes you feel like you're in a concert. And I feel like sometimes, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong here, I feel like sometimes the bait that we pull young people into church with isn't sustainable in the sense that it doesn't ground them into discipleship. And so they might be fickle. And that in itself could be a reason why, just like, you know, when the seed, when Jesus talked about the seeds that were the the sower and some seeds were sown in a thorny ground and they got consumed by the weeds. I feel like sometimes that ground full of thorns is that... um, environment which is just full of all these attractive elements but not so much discipleship and when life kicks in when reality hits there is no foundation that would help them stay grounded Um, and I feel that could be an element as well to you know the um I don't want to call it exodus in a sense, but to, yeah, in a way, young people becoming disinterested in church after a while because the the novelty wears out, it wears off. The novelty of, okay, you know, we're going to get rich or the novelty of, you know, we're in a concert every Sunday. After a while, it wears off. And as you said earlier, the underlying desire for God comes up again and then they might just leave because they're not, I don't know, I don't want to answer my own question, but I'd like you to, to kind of weigh in on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely... Um think that um what tends to happen is that uh, people are presented with a truth mm. and and sometimes life provides the other side of that truth you know and then they get hurt because the church who was supposed to as you were saying disciple them warn them train them were busy instead of telling them the truth and preparing them for the wiles of the enemy or preparing them for the 
reality of serving Christ. You know, they've just uh, 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 preached a bunch of fables, you know, <laughs> preached about their own life or their own experiences. They've just preached about, you know, this um, unrealistic lifestyle that is not for everybody. Not everybody's going to be a millionaire. You know, not everybody yeah. is going to have a, a big house. Not everybody's going to get married. You know, not everybody, you know, is going to have all these things. And I think that we have to uh, go back to the original message of Jesus Christ coming to die so that you can have the gift of eternal life. Mm. You know, we have to go back to the words of Christ. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? Mm. You know, I think that if we fundamentally preach what Jesus preached, yeah. you know, and fundamentally preach Jesus, then people won't worry or people won't fall away when bad things happen because mm. Jesus tells us that we're going to go through hardship. He tells us that we're going to go through persecution. You know, Jesus tells us and warns us about the reality. And I love the words of Jesus because Jesus goes as far as to say, not everybody can be my disciple. Mm. You know, that you have to count the cost. He tells you the reality that walking with me is going to cost you something. It might cost you some friends. It might cost you a little boyfriend, your little girlfriend. It might cost you, you know, wanting to be the most popular person or the richest person. Yeah. But in the midst of it all, will you follow me? Mm. Will you continue to walk with me if I allow something to happen that you don't want to happen? Hmm. If I cause things to take place that you are praying uh, for the opposite thing to happen, hmm. will you be an unconditional worshiper? And I think that if they are taught this from the pulpit, hmm. you have more of them that will stand and lessen them uh, to walk away. And I think as well that we need to have the mindset and we have to redefine success mm. you know ultimately success as a christian is telling the truth mm. and pleasing god hallelujah I no, love that. pleasing god yeah because you know we cannot base it on numbers we look mm. time and time in scripture where uh, when david took a consensus and he counted how many people he had god became angry when mm. jesus said drink my flesh and eat my blood the multitude walked away uh, he had 72 missionaries, you know, and mm. many of them walked away because they said that this teaching is too hard for us to follow. He looked mm. at the disciples and he didn't say, right, guys, let's have a pit staff meeting. We need to look at our contingency plan to get the multitude back. Mm. But he looked at them and he said, will you leave me also? Mm. You know, I remember going through a stage and a phase where I was saying to God, you know, God, I need to find my tribe, my tribe. You know, I had people who was coming. I had people who were leaving church. I was like, God, I need to find my tribe. Yeah, my tribe, man. Those people that, that connect with me, those people that are in alignment with my ministry. Remember, God said to me, it's not about finding your tribe. It's about right. finding your cross. Mm, he said, deep. you need to find your cross when you are in a place of obedience. Hmm. despite who is with you. Hmm. Hmm. The disciples at that point had disbanded. It was only John and Mary at the foot of the cross. Hmm. But even if nobody was in there, Jesus was right in the center 
of his calling mm, right mm. in the center of what he was called to yes, do yes 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 you know i never forget when i was doing a bible study and nobody came you know and god uh, i was packing away the chairs and the tables god said what are you doing i was like you know no one's here so i'm going home He's like no still do bible study i was like god but nobody is here <laughs> <laughs> and i never forget God, God, God made me preach the empty chairs. Oh my goodness! And I remember people were walking past, looking in the window, like, "Is that right? Is that right?" You know, I did the whole Bible study to empty chairs, and in that moment, I knew, like God was saying, "Now you're ready." Oh wow! And then doors opened up for, as I was saying before, TV ministry, radio, where I could preach to millions of people out there in TV land. You know, God gave me two churches and all that happened because I was prepared to stand in a place of obedience mm. despite the numbers mm. you know mm. and I think that when reaching young people we really have to believe in the ability of God to evangelize mm. oh wow that's deep uh, you know I learned that the hard way I made, I made pretty flyers to hand out you know trying to go on the street if I had my flyers, they weren't working. I don't know if I had too many pimples on my face. But I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I sat in the car park. I was like, God, I can't grow this church. You know, the mm. one in the church, I was talking about closing it down because I have two churches. I was about to close one. I was like, God, I can't close this church. I need you to grow it. Mm. And three families came that Sunday. They've been coming ever since. Wow. And that's why they were saying they weren't going to close the church. And it's interesting because the thing with God is that God actually does the work through us when mm. we read the New Testament constantly Apostle Paul talks about what God is doing through, through. me Hallelujah. Uh, and I think as always drawing people drawing mm. it's like it's like we, we really need to mm. come back to the place of God being a supernatural mm. miraculous God you know because God is a God that wants you do things in private and show him that you're willing to serve him when no one is looking. Hmm. He just draws people supernaturally, hmm. <laughs> you know? And I think that for young people, I just think that we just have to continue to develop a heart for them, you know, uh, develop a prayer life, praying for them. I mm -hmm. think essentially it comes down to the leader's heart towards God and and the motives as to as to why you want them to come. You want to mm. come so it looks like you're successful and you've got mm. loads of people in your building and everybody's clapping for you. Mm. Or do you seriously mm. want to help people? Mm. Mm -mm. That is such a brilliant and loaded answer. It's even a sermon wrapped in an answer. That's so so um uplifting and inspiring. And it kind of answered some questions i was going to ask which i feel are quite redundant now because i was going to say so you know what kind of tips do you have for churches to attract young people to make it you know without obviously compromising on on, on the, the crux of the gospel which is the core message but i think what you've said really encapsulates what should be the priority of church leadership of you know of youth leaders which is authentic having an authentic heart for young people but also seeking god's heart because in doing that he could open our eyes to some you know novel ideas on how to actually connect with young people but it should come from him not because this is a new trend or this is you know the, the new sound or the new look and therefore we have to you know line up with whatever's the new 
hip thing and then the young people would come but it's more so about being centered in god's will and then listening to what he has to say that's kind of what i'm getting from your answer yeah, and 100%. then everything would yeah. just fall in line yeah because i think a lot of people forget that spiritual forces are still at work mm-hmm. we've all watched the video that's gone viral 10 people try, you, you see something in the video 10 people do the same thing why did they get one view and that person's got a million mm. people think oh yeah look that person's using bright colors i'm gonna use bright color this person this person is prophesying let me prophesy mm. and, and so but why is it that their prophecies have taken them to some next level mm-hmm. and you're prophesying just as hard you're even sweating more than them and nothing's happening <laughs> And I think that yeah. we need to go back to a place of connecting mm. with the one that deeply and genuinely knows how to make things happy. That's right. God Almighty. That I think that right. we underestimate God and we underestimate God and overlook the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is silent and gentle. He can do a work like no other. And mm. I think also as well, there's, there's a difference between a blessing and a breakthrough. Hmm. Something God taught me that with a blessing, a blessing is when just God allows things to fall on your lap. Hmm. When you consult him and tap into him. But a breakthrough is when you have to do something because you cannot speak to a glass window and it breaks. You have to actually use force for it. Hmm. So we have to use strategies that we're going out there, we're getting in their face, you know, we're speaking to them. We're not allowing this natural, oh, yeah, I met them in the supermarket. They said they saw the glory of God on me and then they came. I think that is a both and where there's nothing wrong with strategizing as long as your strategy fall in mm. within, within kingdom and yeah. they fall in alignment with God's word. Mm-hmm. And also waiting for God to do his part as well as we yeah. are co-workers with the Lord, you know, and faith about works is dead. We need Absolutely. To Absolutely. It's a good thing you mentioned being co-workers and having, you know, works and oh, and faith in a way working hand in hand. And given we're in a very digitalized age, you know, there's social media saturating, you know, everyone's lives, particularly our young people. They're literally on the phone all the time on social media half the time the culture is saturated with all the visuals that are coming through um how can the church actually stay relevant because the church is literally competing against these distractions and as much as we're looking to be centered in the holy spirit and looking to hear god's heart for our young people we also need to be wise you know he says we should be as wise as serpents as gentle as doves so in strategizing wisely um around this digital age that we're in and being on the ball when it comes to social media and probably even using it to be relevant, you know, on things like Bible study, music, you know, small groups. How can the church actually be on the forefront? Because if we don't, there's so many other things that are vying for our young people's attention out there. Obviously, you're very active on social media. I wonder, I always see you on there every so often. It'll be interesting to know what your thoughts are, particularly for churches who are struggling to connect with their young people. How could they use you know the tools that are freely available online to to to, to make um some headway yeah I, I understand yeah and i want to do my best to give you a answer you know mm. balanced answer is in in the sense of um you know but not too balanced you know but in the sense of like you know i understand when churches need to you know open up uh, 
an online account, you know, open up a, uh, you know, to our Facebook, Snapchat, talk all this stuff to try and engage young people, you know, but at the same time as they're doing that and they have those departments, that this is my real answer. They say at the same time, I believe that you can't, it can't, it kind of comes back to some stuff I was saying before, you can't go and get young people if you ain't even yourself yet. If you ain't got yourself fully in alignment with God, because initially, you know, or essentially, people are going to be inspired based on the overflow of your relationship with God. Hmm. Once you're in a place where, you know, you and God are so aligned, you and God are in a great place, you and God are connected in a powerful way, then people out there who do not have God, but, you know, unconsciously are looking for him because mm. he is so much in you. As you speak, as you talk to them, as you engage with them, they're going to want to flock towards what you have to offer because the God that we serve is always, is, is forever and beyond being relevant. Mm. We will all... In, in every dispensation, every generation, doesn't matter what time, doesn't matter how advanced you are in technology, you will always need God. Mm. If a pandemic breaks out, people want to pray. If yeah. a war breaks out between Russia and Ukraine, people want to pray. Mm. God is forever relevant. But the problem with the church is that they want to kick God out and bring the world in. Mm. Not knowing that what we need to do we need to build a space and an atmosphere for God to be comfortable. Not for the youth to be comfortable. Oh, wow. But for God to be comfortable. If you allow God's spirit to flow and to move in the atmosphere, young people will drop the drugs, the alcohol. They'll drop their, their boyfriend and their girlfriend for Jesus because there is no better feeling emotional or spiritually and even the way he heals the human body and what God has to offer, there's nothing bad. There's no better product, person, personality out there than the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And I think that people are, are, are losing faith because they are getting caught up in what the world are doing. They're getting caught mm. up. And the problem is the word numbers. They're getting caught up with numbers. Mm, mm. Not knowing that Jesus said, broad is the path to destruction and many are on it, but narrow is the path to life. Mm. And only a few find it. If you focus on catering to the few, and not even just to the few, but if you focus on catering to God, God will pour out something that is so pure mm. and genuine and of himself that people come flocking. That's why I love um, what God is doing with Maverick City Music. It's just mm. pure worship gospel and they're packing that stadiums. Mm. Why? Because they have made the Holy Ghost comfortable. Mm. Mm. They're not trying to rap and do hip hop and grime and you know jiggy 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 jiggy. <laughs> taken, they've taken nothing from the world, but everything from heaven, mm. and have now exploded onto the scene because there is a hunger mm. for God. Mm. There is a genuine is. hunger that is mm. in every human being for God in His purest form. Indeed. And the truth is, I think once the church accept that. Not every young person is going to accept your message. Mm. Not every young person is going to be interested in giving their life to Jesus. 
I think once we accept that and stop trying to cater to everybody, then we can cater to those who God has called. Mm. We can mm. cater to those who, who will respond to God's calling. Mm. We will wow. cater to the to the few that don't mind paying the price of being Christ's disciple. Mm. Because if Jesus told us not everybody will be able to pay the price or even want to pay the price, are we trying to force them to pay something that they don't even have uh, uh, the money to, to, to afford? Mm. You know, why are we trying to force people are just not interested in the Bible, not interested in God, not interested in church, they're not interested. So mm. let us do our best to have that integrity towards God and his mm. word. Mm. Mm. And even as the parable of the sower, you throw out the seed and it mm. will land where it will land. There's always going to be that that one in four that will come yep. to Christ. Absolutely. One in four that will bear fruit. Mm, mm. that one in four even in that parable it is the one in four mm. that we're looking for there's that one in four young person mm. that will not be deceived by the deception of wealth or the cares of this world yes. but they will grow in Jesus and they will bear much for his kingdom wow that is really encouraging I'm really trusting that um, everyone listening, particularly youth leaders and pastors, um, are taking so much away from this conversation because it's honestly, it just feels like a sermon and a very uplifting and encouraging sermon. Uh, something that would definitely resonate with lots of leaders in, in the church and in the Christian community. I was going to wrap up the discussion. Honestly, Reverend David, this has been really insightful, really um packed with wealth of knowledge and spiritual insight i have to say um i was going to wrap up this conversation with one um more question for you um more so a request i should say not really a question for any word of advice or encouragement that you have for a young person who might be listening now and who might be questioning god their faith the church they might be going through any, you know a myriad of things it could be spiritual abuse it could be doubt anxiety fear and they're on the brink of you know stepping out of church they've seen this podcast and they're like i want to see what this discussion is going to be about but in their heart they're actually just on the cusp of leaving the faith just a word of encouragement for a young person who's listening today yeah no if they're listening one thing that i'll say to them is that pastors can let you down church can let you down but god never lets you down you know, uh, allow God to speak to you, you know, connect with him, you know, really cry out to your heavenly father as he is the only one that has all the answers. You know, oftentimes we look to go to a church uh, uh, for, for things that we can receive, which is which has its place, but also go somewhere uh, with the, with the uh, motive to see what you can give as well and what you can bring to the table. And, you know, do not be afraid to share your thoughts, why you're in that place, why you want to leave, you know, be open, be honest. But also as well, there's nothing wrong going to different churches on stage. You know what? This is my home because the kingdom of heaven is not just based around one church. Mm. It is based around the church, a cluster of people in various different worship spaces I love God. Mm. I say to them, listen, no, ain't, no one ain't going to love you like how God loves you. Yeah. Focus on God. 
know that it's your daddy's house and that you are here. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much, Reverend David, for your time, for the insights, for pouring um, into us today on the Church Unboxed podcast. Um, you've been listening to the Church Unboxed podcast with me, Sarah Tabo, and our guest today, the Right Reverend David Peterson. Again, thank you for pouring out um, your hearts, for sharing so richly. And, you know, I'm trusting that everyone who's listening, whether they're leaders or even young people, would have taken away so much from this discussion today. You've been listening to the Church Unboxed podcast with me, Sarah Tabor. If you'd like to share your thoughts on today's program, please visit the Church Unboxed Facebook group. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to hear more about what I think about today's topic, go and sign up for our email list at www.churchunboxed.net and we'll be in touch.